Welcome to the Upland Nation podcast. Thank you for joining us. My name is Scott Linden. I'm the host. I'm also the host of Wing Shooting USA, the TV show. We have some great guests uh, on the agenda this week. Uh, one of my favorites and a guy who, speaking of television, kind of kind of provided the inspiration, the motivation, if you will, for me getting into the business. We'll talk more about that with Des Young. You know his original show title, Hunting with Hank. We'll talk more about that and all sorts of other great stuff. In addition, a public access tip for everybody. Some hunting strategy and dog handling advice and a quiz and a prize. It's all coming up on this episode of the Upland Nation podcast. So stick around. First off, let's thank our sponsor, sageandbreaker.com. If you're looking for, well, the gun cleaning and care gear that will last a lifetime, and then you'll be able to hand it down to one of your heirs, it's all at sageandbreaker.com. From gun mats and bore cleaning to a brush and pick roll. If you'd like to watch some videos on how this stuff all works and how to maybe do it right, that's one of the challenges I face. Well, go to sageandbreaker.com. Lots of helpful videos on gun cleaning and gun care. All of it's guaranteed It's free shipping for everybody in the U.S. all the time. Register at their uh, website for a chance to be on their mailing list and get notification of the one or two big sales they have every year. It's all at sageandbreaker.com. Once you're done taking care of your gun, then you can learn something from both me and from that guy back there. If he's surviving, his name is Des Young. Des, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm doing fine. Just summer cold. Probably they're probably the worst kind of colds to get. I think. I you know it just makes you mad that it would happen yeah. when, when everything else is going so well from a from a weather standpoint, huh? Yeah, no kidding. And my my new boy Chance uh, is looking at me like, "Come on, let's we get we have to get a workout in here." <laughs> <laughs> if only it was that easy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. T- so. Exactly. T- you know, you're like me. You're constantly rotating dogs through the house. Tell me about the new one. Chance is a, um, a Llewellyn setter. He's out of the Hank and Dash lineage from our TV shows. And like, like I guess you've probably had the same experience I have. Some breeds are just, you know, they're just darn nice guys. And Chance is right along that line. He's a sweet boy, easy to train, loves to hunt. And he's a nice member of the house, just like Hank and Dash were. You know, it's funny. A lot of people, uh, less these days, but uh, over the weekend, I uh, I ran into a couple other folks who said, no, my dog never comes in the house. He's got oh, a really nice yeah. kennel. But but for the most part, if you're a one or a two dog <laughs> family, uh, uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have to live with them twenty four seven, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And, uh, you know, out of that comes all sorts of things. Everybody's heard my lecture about a dog learning all the time. But um, what do you get out of that kind of more personal approach to dog training, if you will? I'm not I'm not uh, as skilled at the training aspect as you are. So I felt when I first got Hank, who was my very first pointing dog, I'd had Labradors before that. I went to uh, some guidance. I, I pulled up Richard Wolter's book, Gun Dog, and I read that cover to cover, and I gleaned some things out of that. And uh, so when Hank was a baby, 
I started his training, as Walter suggested, at seven weeks of age and worked first with all the obedience training issues and then took him into the field and worked with us quartering back and forth and then worked into retrieving and then uh, then put live birds out. And the you know what amazes me, Scott, is the instinct is so powerful. The, the, all he did was track through the field. I'd placed the pigeon out for him, and I, and I was just stunned. The first time he picked up the scent, he slowed his pace, creeped a few feet, and locked into a pause. And I thought, wow, so that's how it works. <laughs> that's the moment I decided to buy a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. I, I, it was just fun it was, to watch. It, it is, and and it sounds like that's you know kind of uh, the magic for you. What else about uh, working with dogs like that is is high on your list or priorities? Well, um, I I grew up in a household with dogs, not anything particular, just all kinds of varieties of ducks. Some mixed, just just nice guys. They were all boys, and they were just all nice guys. And I learned from my work with them as a young boy what I could and couldn't do to make them be a good part of the family. And so I just sort of carried that into my adulthood. And then when I read Richard Walter's book uh, and learned a little bit more about pointing breeds, I found that the training process was pretty similar, <clears throat> pardon me, but there were, there were some minor changes when it came to a pointing dog versus a flushing dog. So I read all of that and studied all that. And, and when I got Hank, I thought, well, I'll try Richard Walter's techniques and my gosh, there, there you go. And then now Hank's in the bird dog hall of fame. <laughs> well, there you go. You must've done something right. Yeah. The biggest issue is I'm not there. So, you know, <laughs> well, well, they wanted me, but they didn't want me. <laughs> uh, they have, uh, you know, the, the, you can't, uh, you can't blame them for having good taste, I guess. No kidding. Yeah. You know, yeah, so uh, Hank is there and it was a thrill to have, I went down to, I'm not sure if you've been there, Scott. I went down to the National Bird Dog Hall of Fame in Grand Junction, Tennessee, mm -hmm. and that's where Hank's that's where Hank's portrait hangs, among all the other among all the great field trial dogs, which I was never skilled enough to do. But what a thrill to see him down there! Oh, I bet, I bet. I haven't been there yet, but it's on the list. That's for sure. You know, you'll, you'll absolutely love it. You bring bring yeah. up something that that I well I don't know that I've I've thought about before because we you know we generally jump in when we cross paths it's at it's in an airport or it's in some yeah. convention hall and and we're yeah. trying to uh, we're trying to skip all the preliminaries and get caught up from the right. last time uh, did you, yeah. you you grew up with dogs but it didn't doesn't sound like they were hunting dogs no they weren't they were just family dogs and. Uh, you know, I just, I loved all of them. They were just nice guys. We actually had, when I was young, we lived on a ranch in Eastern Oregon near, near hometown of Pendleton. And, um, so we had dogs all the time and I was with them all the time. And of course, as a kid, I didn't really do any training, but still it was just neat to see when our dogs would get out involved in the outdoors, how excited they would get. And so that's sort of where my my basis for wanting to have a bird dog came around when I designed and came up with the Honey with Hank concept. So so we're, uh, 
what what was the motivation there back in those days breaking into television was a lot harder than it is now anybody with a smartphone and and a second mortgage can be on tv these days but uh, uh but back then you you know you had to do things right tell me a little bit about your start in that world well um as I, as I think you recall, because we've visited about this before, I started my professional career as a singer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you and I have a lot of common ground there, too. And so that led me into television in the local market here, in where I live in Portland, Oregon. And then that led me into meeting people all around the country. And that led me into getting uh, from... Kingwell on Kennels in Arkansas, this fabulous young puppy that I named Henry, Prince of Paws, <laughs> and called him Hank. And so I started training Hank. I mean, you know, you know what this is like. I know you've gone through this too. It just hits you. You think, wow, th- this guy's pretty good. And with my television experience and my performing experience, I thought, well, why don't we, why don't we see what we can do? So I spent my own money, as you probably have on many occasions and did a pilot program and sent that to the Outdoor Life Network at the perfect time, Scott. They were looking for programming. I mean, you know, it was just serendipity. I sent that into them, and the first thing that happened was they called and said, okay, let's do seven. I love it. Well, yeah, yeah. it's a little different today, but that's, that's pretty much how I started as well, for that matter. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, it, it must be gratifying uh, to still hear from fans, and and I a million of them have asked questions on my Facebook page. That we'll we'll get to a few of them. Bobby, Keith, Derek, David, and Dean, hang on. We're going to get your questions in. Uh, oh, good. But you I'll know, be happy to drift. what what is it? What do you what did you enjoy most about making? Uh, yeah, what I'll just consider a landmark program in the bird hunting television world. Oh my gosh! Thank you. That's so thoughtful of you. Uh, well, let's see. You and I have many similarities, one of which is we like people. And I had the greatest crew. I had done some local promotion work here in the Portland market on television where I met my who was going to be my director, Bob Corley, and we became friends. And then when I came up with Honey with Hank concept, I went to Bob and said, well, what do you think? And he said, okay, let's do it. So he <laughs> We and I took Hank out. We did a pilot show together, sent it into the Outdoor Life Network, and honest to God, I'm telling you, Scott, I had no idea. I sent it into the Outdoor Life Network, and the first thing that happened was they called and said, "Okay, let's do it." <laughs> well, you you know uh, those are I, I I believe you do actually have a few more copies. You, you keep getting requests to uh, for DVDs, and. Yeah. <laughs> And sure, so, yeah. so if, if, if anybody out there is listening and they want to get their hands on a set of DVDs, how do they do that? Oh, how thoughtful of you. Well, it's pretty simple. The, the name of my production company is HWH for Hunting with Hank, HWH Productions. And they can just send me a request and for the DVDs at 5346 Southwest 33rd Drive. In Portland, Oregon, and that's nine seven two three nine. And the DVD is is covers both the boys, both mm-hmm. Hank and Dash, 
and some of the adventures that we went on, the ones that I thought were probably the most fun and the most interesting for viewers to see. We even did, I even sent one show in that you probably, I don't know if you've experienced this, but we, we hunted forever in the forest to find a rough grouse. I mean, we hunted forever. And yeah. we got, we got one rough grouse on camera and I threw a shot out there and the bird fell. I mean, honestly, Scott, I couldn't believe it. So yes. and it was just one of those, you know, you take your chances when you're going after wild birds as opposed to release birds. And so we did a number of release bird shows for the, uh, for the thrill of seeing my boys working. And then we did a few live wild bird shows too, just because that's what we wanted to do. Yeah. And you know, that's funny that, yeah, a mm -hmm. lot of people, um, wonder why we don't do, uh, a, a lot of what I'll call public ground wild bird shows. The fact of the matter is, yeah. um, it's a bird hunting show. You got to have birds on the show and, yeah. and there is a exactly. finite amount of time we can spend in the field. The guys who work for us, they work by the day. So we got, you know, enough yeah. editorializing, but that the reality is, we need some of that, but you know, for a while there, speaking of that sort of thing, um, you were on the air. I was on the air as I was just starting out and we were going up and down the West coast about the same time for a couple seasons. And you were at yeah. the lodge the week before I was, or I was at the lodge the week before you were <laughs> of, of all of those trips. And I mean, you know, nationally or even internationally, what what pops up as a highlight of, of your television hunting career? Oh, gosh, what a wonderful question. Okay, I, I, first thing that pops in my mind is having the opportunity, because of Hank and his shows, having the opportunity to be invited to go to Uruguay and hunt birds in Uruguay and do a special on Uruguay bird hunting. Golly, Scott, I mean, really. All the way across there to Uruguay, we hunted Perdiz, which uh, is a upland bird and the scenery and the people and the opportunity to do that. We went to, we got invited to go to Scotland to hunt red grouse in the Scottish moors. And you know, those, I mean, how many guys like you and I who pack a shotgun around have a chance to do that? Yeah, exactly. And, and luckily we can watch you do it uh, because the likelihood of our doing it is uh, fairly low. <laughs> You know, when you go out, whether it's Scotland for red grouse or anything else, it might be valley quail in eastern Oregon, for that matter. What, Which we did. Yeah. yeah. What 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 do you find most enjoyable about the the hunting experience? Oh well, you and I are dog guys, so it's not going to surprise you when I tell you that the, the biggest thrill for me is what was watching my boys and seeing the work they did and and how the training that that I put into them and that you put into your dogs. Uh, comes to fruition when you put them out in the field and their instinct kicks in and their training kicks in. And the next thing you know, you've got a beautiful point and birds are jumping everywhere. And what a thrill. I mean, gosh, how lucky you and I are to be able to do that. Amen to that. Um, hey, before yeah. I forget, let's get to the first question from some of your fans. Bobby Westbrook asks you, other than just putting your dog on wild birds, how do you tune up your dog before the bird season starts? Oh, uh, well, I, I've always felt that I give, I would give them the spring off and then starting in summer, early in the morning, 
I take my boys, and I still do this with my new guy. I take these guys into the local park here before anybody else gets in there, work them on their commands, get them some exercise, work them on retrieving, and getting all of that accomplished. And then when fall gets here, they're in pretty good shape to get out and go after them. So you, you, you give them a little bit of a break uh, in you know, understanding what they do for a living. I think that's probably not a bad idea. Give them a chance to kind of reset their, their muscular structure, yeah. if nothing else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good. All right. Well, um, we've got to take a, a real quick break here. You can uh, take a sip of water, and I'll call you back in a moment. In the meanwhile, everybody else, hang on, because uh, ha- you know Hank won't be with us, but his, uh, his big boss will. Uh, Des Young will stick around. Uh, this is the Upland Nation podcast. And so uh, in the meanwhile, if you will please pay attention to this brief commercial message. And this part of the Upland Nation podcast is brought to you in part by HuntHuronSD.com. My friends in Huron, South Dakota, have 140,000 acres of public access. The birds outnumber the people in Beetle County. Friendly, helpful, and they've got a free information packet for you. Just go to HuntHuronSD.com. They'll send it to you. Maps, lists, discount coupons, all sorts of promotional opportunities. It's all free. And um, I'll see you there. Hunt here on SD.com. All right. So, Des, have you survived your coughing fits? And uh, are you ready to chat a little bit more? Absolutely. Yeah. You bet. Well, you know, you know, those of us that are, have been performing our whole lives, we just know how to get, get up and get going out. And I, I honestly, Scott, when I started singing for a living, when I was, you know, two or three, somewhere there, and would get a cold, I'd want to quit. But my manager said, no, suck it up and get out there and sing. And yeah. So I guess I learned pretty early that you just, you know, you just keep moving. And on one of our shows we taped in New England, I literally had pneumonia. And, uh, but we only had, you know what this is like when you're out taping shows, you only have so much time. You got to get the show in, and so I was out there in the middle of this New England jungle hunting rough grouse, trying my best not to cough and hack into the microphone. It's uh, speaking of which, yeah, uh, no, I I have a similar story, but it was in the desert of New Mexico. We all caught it, and uh, oh. and but the show must go on, like you said, and so. Yeah. It, if you watch that episode of Dez's or if you watch that episode of mine, you know we're doing it for you folks out there. So thank you for putting up with us. Um, yeah, and I, don't know about, I don't know what your director was like, but mine kept saying, come on, Dez, just get, get out there and do it. Slave drivers. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, it's, but, but God bless them. You know, they make us look smarter Absolutely. and skinnier than we are, and that's, that's all I ask. You know, yeah. um, we're, we're in this little segment that I call Handle It, which is all about how we relate to our dogs. And, and one, oh, of the, uh-huh. one of the things that I, I've discovered over the years is dogs uh, that have confidence in you don't seem to be so inclined to, um, if you will, disobey. And I'm thinking of a particular oh, hunt I did yeah. in, in South Dakota where uh, somebody else was creeping up on my dog as if they thought he was going to break. Um, oh. And they were mincing in from across the way. And, and they, you know, the dog was just quivering and looking out of the corner of his eye, wondering if this guy's oh. ever going to actually take charge of the situation. <laughs> You know, maybe your dogs are better than that, but do you have any advice for people about helping their dogs 
obey better through the use of, for lack of a better term, psychology? Well, when I, okay, I'll, I'll confess this to you. Now, don't tell anybody this, okay? This is just between you and me. All right. <laughs> when I got Hank, he was my first pointing dog. I'd had Labradors before, and, you know, that's a different training process. And I, right along with me, Hank learned, as I did, what the, what the situation is with a pointing breed versus a, an upland flushing dog. And bless his heart, he just was so patient and took all the commands, all the advice, and when he'd make a mistake, I don't know how you do this, but the only thing I could think of was, rather than get after him verbally, but I'd just back him up and we'd, and we'd try it again. Mm-hmm. And eventually he picked up on that, and, and the same thing happened with his boy Dash when we were doing our Dash shows with him, and, and it was just, you know, as an amateur trainer, I, I really relied a lot on what I read about how to train bird dogs because honestly scott i i just didn't have the i didn't have the tools mentally to do it myself without some help well you know you hit on something that is so true and and one of my good friends in the training world is ronnie smith jr of the you know rick smith oh, right. and ronnie smith and and right. R- ronnie instilled in me a, a something that i i wish i could be better at you know i got god you know like the bumper sticker says uh, uh help me become the the person my dog thinks <laughs> He, right. I am, you know. yeah, yeah. Uh, but Ronnie, Ronnie over and over would say, don't get mad. Don't get right. mad. The dog doesn't get right. it. Yeah. You know, don't get upset about this stuff. Just like you said, right. go back, take it maybe a couple steps backwards and that sort of yeah. thing. Um, another question from, from a, a fan of your show and of you, uh, from Derek Moore, what's your favorite hunting memory with Hank and dash? Oh, golly. What a great question. My favorite. You know, um, I guess I'd have to rely on going back to what my favorite bird to hunt is, which would be the rough grouse. And taping shows with those boys in, in the deep woods of New England, what a thrill that was to be able to go into those woods, take those boys in there, and through acres and acres and acres of woods, find birds. I mean, I just... I was just, and my director, of course, was thrilled because he had to pack that, well, you know what it's like, he had to pack that 25-pound camera plus batteries with me to find these birds. And gosh, what a, and a more, just an amazing thrill that was for me. Oh, I, I bet. I was so thrilled. Yeah. You know, and then, of course, you know what this is like. Then, then the, the dog goes on point, and then you're thinking, okay, I can't miss this shot. And so then, then there's the pressure of making sure you get a shot off and get the bird. I didn't know that was a rule. I'm not supposed to miss. <laughs> oh, I do. I know the feeling, and I and I actually know the exact feeling you're describing. I was lucky enough to make a couple of shows in upstate New York, um, and then back in the day, uh, fly fishing show up there in the you know the cradle of fly fishing in the United States, and just just being around all of that. Yeah, uh, you, you know, many of us who are in the bird dog world or or even the fly fishing world. It's all about that kind of that heritage, the legacy that we are living every time we we bring a dog along. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it works. Well, you and I are like in many ways. You and I are like in many ways. I love fly fishing. I have, unfortunately, my, my wife reminds me of this quite often. I have several fly rods in different weights, and the question she always asks is, "Okay, tell tell me exactly now why you need 
a three weight, a five weight, a seven weight, a nine weight, a 12 weight. And I have to explain, well, there's, there's specific reasons for each fly rod. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, here's, uh, you know, the answer to this question, this uh, <laughs> Pat McManus told me the answer to this first, you know, how many uh, fly rods is enough? <laughs> I interviewed him once too. What a great guy. Yeah. The, he, an, the answer, his, go ahead. Well, the answer, the answer is, is one more. Yeah. One more. And um, I had the privilege of interviewing him on uh, television when, he, when I was doing my television show here in Portland. He came through with one of his books, promoting one of his books. Mm-hmm. So I got a chance to interview him. What a delightful guy. And as funny in person as he was in his writing. Oh, yeah. Great guy. He and I collaborated on a project or two over the years. Of course, when I was working with Outdoor Life magazine, he was writing the back page. And we, oh, came, yeah. we came this close to creating an animated television series about his stories, wow. which well, I the still the love to the reason I bought the Outdoor Life Network was for his articles. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Um, yeah, Keith Clayton has a, 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 a question for you that we can both relate to, and let's trade notes on this one. Any tips on how to travel long distances with your dog to make it comfortable for the dog and easier for the owner? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, boy, yeah, we have a lot of experience with this, don't we? For, for my boys... When we flew, of course, they had to be in a carrier. So the carrier that I had for them was was set up as um, uh, with a carpet and soft material on the sides, soft material on the top in case there was a bump in the air and, and they bounce up into the you know the top of the crate. Mm. And always made sure, as I'm sure you do, that the last thing I did before we boarded was take them outside. Mm and give them one more chance to relieve themselves before I put them in there and then um, pick them up the instant they la- they landed and take them outside again. So they're comfortable. And then off we go. It wasn't, I don't know how you felt about it, but it wasn't easy for me the first time mm-hmm. because you know, the, the carrier is a, it's a tough spot for them to be in when they're being handled by people they don't know. And they're, they're taken into the back and then they're putting the back of the plane. I mean, it can't, can't be easy for them. No, not at all, and and I cross my fingers every time I hear a story like that. I love the idea of padding the roof, the ceiling of the yeah. box, so that sure makes yeah. a lot of sense. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. My, my, mine would have more to do with driving. We we drive virtually everywhere now, and I, I'm putting way more miles on my truck than I thought I would, but I always bring more local water than I think I'll use. I hope my dog will right. be drinking my water the whole time as opposed to uh, contending with softer water, harder oh, water, different yeah. chemical composition yeah. like that. And I have yeah. giant containers for that sort of stuff. So yeah. uh, both of those are, are, are probably worth uh, making a note of. You know, you've, you've been out there. You've done a lot of this sort of thing. By the way, that's that's Des Young. I'm Scott Linden. This is the Upland Nation podcast. Des, um, you've talk to a lot of people you've hunted with a lot of people what do you think is the number one mistake that most of us make when we go out into the field whether it's dealing with dogs or strategy or something like that you've seen it all i'm sure wow that's a really interesting question well of course the first thing that pops into my mind as i'm sure it does for you is is uh, i'm very very careful with people i don't know and watching their gun safety mm-hmm. that's that's an, an, i mean if you can't think of anything else just make sure the gun safety issues are covered thoroughly because I, boy i mean that there's no i got i don't know if you know this scott i don't know if i ever told you this 
when I was a teenager living in Pendleton, my buddies and I grabbed our shotguns in the winter and would go up to a stream that flows through Pendleton called the Umatilla River. And in the wintertime, the mallards would drop in there from the wheat fields. And we, we jumped, we jumped ducks on the Umatilla River. And my part, my friend had his shotgun safety off as we were walking up to a piece of water where we knew ducks were sitting in and he tripped and the shotgun went off and it was aimed in my direction. And I took BBs in my legs and had to be rushed to the hospital to dig them all out. And uh, that boy, that was a sobering experience. That's one of the reasons why on our shows, as I know you've done many times also, I've always talked about in gentle terms, at least not beating people over the head with it, the importance of gun safety in the field, especially when you're hunting with somebody else yeah. and have a bird dog in front of you. Absolutely. <clears throat> you know, if, if nothing else, the, you know, the, there's no life worth risking for a, a bird. And, uh, right. uh, we're doing a lot more with, with kids on the show these days. And so we have a little fun with it as well. It becomes a pop yeah. quiz every few minutes in the show. Boy, that's, <clears throat> It, it's a it's a wonder you you weren't soured to hunting after that. <laughs> well, you know, growing up in the country, that's just what we did. We just we hunted and fished, and so uh, it it was a sobering experience. I must say, when I got to thinking about the fact that those pellets could have done a lot worse damage than they did on my legs, and uh, so I guess that's maybe one of the reasons why. I've always been so conscious about that in the field. When I've taken people out with me or with Hank and with Dash, I've always been very concerned about how they're handling their shotgun and making sure they're doing all the right things. Yeah. Um, amen. I mean, all I can do is echo all of that and, and, and yeah. more. Um, one of the things that I... By the way, <laughs> I don't know if I ever told this. I don't know if I ever mentioned this to you before, but I'm so proud of you and the way you handle yourself on camera and the issues that you discuss with your viewers and the way you treat your guests and the way you treat your, your hunting partners and the game birds that you hunt. I mean, it's really a, it's refreshing to see and it's a great lesson for all of us who enjoy the outdoors. And I'm so glad you're still doing that. Thank you. You're very kind. I, I appreciate that. And um, hopefully I'll be doing it for a little while longer, you know, you could every yeah. year, as you well know, every year you wonder about those sort of things. And, you know, yeah. that, I, I don't want to harp on it, but uh, a lot of folks <clears throat> don't realize that these days um, we producers, uh, we, we incur all the financial risk. Right. Um, yeah. Unlike back when you were doing it, when I started in that business, when, yeah. when, when <clears throat> networks actually would, would give you money or give you airtime. Now it's the other way around. Right. But we, yeah, won't, exactly. we won't dwell on that. Let's talk about the fun stuff. Um, you know, is there, is, is there anything that, that, that's happened to you over the years, whether it's on the air or off the air, that, that, that is just, it's, it's just so, um, I don't know what to call it, so memorable that you, you want to share it with us one more time? Oh, well, as with you, there, there, there are many. But honestly, Scott, to be able to, to go to Scotland and stand on the Scottish moors and look out across that country and hunt those grouse 
was a, an amazing, just an amazing experience to be able to do that because I had a bird dog that people love to watch and we got a chance to do that. Well, you know, what a, what an absolute thrill and privilege really to be able to do that. I've, I've never forgotten that and just absolutely loved those shows we did in Scotland. And, and then, of course, we did shows in Uruguay as well, mm-hmm. but still just Scotland. I mean, really, the, the birthplace of, of bird hunting really was uh, an absolute thrill. Is there anything in particular about that? Because you know, it's it's again it's on it's on my bucket list, and I, I actually turned oh. down turned down that invitation this past year. What what about that area uh, besides the the legacy? I mean, is it the is it the bur- birds? Is it the gorse that you're walking through? Is it? What, what, tell me more. Well, I think the first thing that struck me was it was hunting grouse in the Scottish moors. There's a tremendous history there, and just being there from the history standpoint was amazing. Then to walk through those those uh, moors and find these beautiful birds in there uh, was uh, it's a thrill that I can't I really can't express. It was just an amazing experience. And then to be able to do a show about it, my gosh! And then we won awards for it. I know you've won a lot of awards yourself, and to, to win an award for something we've done that we loved was a huge bonus <laughs> yeah that's for sure you know over there oh, they, yeah. they they handle dogs differently and the, and 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 mm-hmm. the, the the protocols if you will on a on an uh, what they call a rough shoot over there right are, are different than what we might be used to how, how did that all work for you well i felt uh, as a guest i felt it was important that i followed what they wanted me and my camera crew to do and so we just we just followed their orders and their suggestions and guidance and it turned out great i made sure that that uh, they knew we were there to promote their location and their bird hunting and to do what they needed to have done to get that accomplished and we had an absolutely wonderful time doing that it was just it was just a thrill my director and our b cameraman were wonderful at that and and, um, you know, one of the things you and I have loved about these things that we do is meeting all these different people and finding how how the the universal aspect of loving to hunt birds is there. And just, it's just what a great thrill that was. I was so, like you, I was just so lucky. You know, you, you, I mean, even if we never get to Scotland, you see some guy parked next to you and he's got a dog box in his truck. You're probably going to start a conversation, aren't you? Absolutely. You bet. Yeah, we're going to have a lot in common. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Well, um, Des Young, the television uh, star, the uh, bird dog guy, you know, if you look up bird dogs in the dictionary, that's Des's picture. He's the one on the left. The one on the right is one of his dogs. Um, Tell us something about you we don't know. Uh, Let's see. Something you don't know about me. Well, I'm not sure how much I talked about this on our shows. I... I started as a professional singer at the age of 19 in the folk music era. And so I, I got used to being in front of audiences really young and uh, performed on the same. Gosh, Scott, I performed in the same show with John Denver as the, as the final act. And I was one of the leading acts and the Kingston trio and Peter, Paul and Mary come on. So Peter, Paul, Mary, Kingston, Trio, and Des. Oh, and that other guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. So you know how that works. 
they they warm up the audience with these warm up acts, and I was one of the warm up acts. And you st- <laughs> you stand out there singing your heart out, and you look out into this mass audience, and three people are paying attention. I mean, <laughs> that's kind of, you know, I finally figured cool. out. Yeah, I, I played a Broadway show once, and and I finally figured oh, out that's uh, why that's why the lights are so bright shining on you, so you can't see how many unfilled see. seats there are out there. Oh, yeah, I know, but you know. You know, you're paying your dues. That's the way I always felt about it. I'm just paying my dues. And so then I'd write letters home to mom saying, Mom, don't worry about me. Everything is fine. I'm paying my dues. I'm okay. (laughs) Yep, it's so true. You know, and if you talk to the pros in that world, the first thing they'll tell you is, it doesn't matter whether it's a a supermarket grand opening or the Carnegie Hall, take the gig. Right. You'll be better for it. Okay, so... Now, don't tell anybody this, okay? I actually, I actually sang at an outdoor venue for a car lot opening. Can you can you pop that one? Um, <laughs> so, I, I would so have to work at that. Around, people are walking around looking at cars. I'm, I'm standing in this little, you know, they put these little mobile home offices on the on a parking lot, and they they put a stand mic on the porch of this this mobile home and I was singing folk songs while people were out in the parking lot cruising through the various cars. Yeah. You were, you were the, you were the background music back before Muzak was invented. I bet. Oh my God. Well, you know, uh, and a lot of people may not know this, but, uh, it finally came full circle and you did a lot of the music for your TV shows. I did all of it. Yeah, that's right. I did all of it. I wrote all the music, wrote um, wrote the music, sang the lyrics, played the guitar, and then filled in other instruments through that that fabulous system where you can go into the studio and they can pull up different kinds of musical instruments and fit them in. And that's that's so I did all the music for all of our shows. Yeah. Someday I will write one song about bird hunting and bird dogs, but I just haven't gotten it in me yet. And then I'd have to learn how to play it. And that may be the hardest part right there. Uh, It was just, I don't know, Scott, you know, you just, you know, you just get lucky. And I did. Yeah. Yeah. I'm knocking wood as you say that, because I feel much the same way, you know, we're getting towards the conclusion of our discussion and uh, boy, am I grateful your voice has held out as well as it has. Um, Happy to do it. Good to talk to you again, my friend. Thank you. And and, and maybe another airport, another day real soon. Uh, But in the, to to close it out, you know, you've got still a ton of fans out there. In fact, uh, you know, I, I put on my Facebook page, Hey, if you want to ask a question, go here, blah, blah. That, uh, as of today is one of my more popular Facebook posts. And and it's because of you, if you wanted to tell, tell all these people out there, uh, something, anything about life, uh, or bird hunting life, what, what, what would your message be to them? Well, um, I can tell you what I thought. I never took it too seriously. I'm, I'm, I'm like you in many regards. I didn't take it too seriously. It was fun. It was great to be able to perform on camera and to be able to take my boys out and have viewers across the country see them. But it was all, honestly, Scott, it was just, it was just fun. It was fun. I just had such a great time. And when, when people ask me about bird hunting, the first thing I always like to say to them is, look, just, gosh, don't put pressure on yourself. Just have a good time, enjoy the dog work, enjoy the birds. If you miss, so what? And just 
get out there and enjoy it because you know it's, it's such a great opportunity speaking of singing there's a cowboy outlaw type singer named ray wiley hubbard and one of the lyrics in a song i like a lot talks about making sure your gratitude exceeds your expectations oh what a nice phrase you know there's always something out there to be thankful for uh even on a birdless day so let that be a lesson to everybody i know i'm trying to live that you are too we 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 strived as i know you do with your crew we strive so hard to to get a good show together every time we put one on 28 minutes and some odd seconds and uh, if it didn't work it didn't work and we'd find some other thing to do to enjoy it and okay one of the most fun things i ever did that was birdless was a show we did in uh, i i think it was arizona maybe nevada where we did a segment where Dez met Dez in the desert. And we did that because there was there just weren't any birds. And so my director said, well, let's have some fun. So we drove out into this desert, and we set up this scene. We took extra clothes so I could change clothes, and we opened up this scene with me and, and Hank walking down this old desert road all by ourselves, and this car pulls up from behind us. And in the car is Dez in a different shirt and a different car driving along the road and talking to me about it. And then he drives off. And I say to our viewers, you know, I've seen that guy before. I'm not sure where, but he sure is good looking. And that was the end of our scene. <laughs> and that was back when you had to do it with, um, with tape, <laughs> not yeah. with computer yeah. graphics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Oh, gosh, that was fun, too. I know I you've it. done the same on your shows with just trying to get some, it's not all, I mean, honestly, you and I are taping bird hunting shows. How lucky can we get? And so I always try to remember the crew, remind the crew, look, it's, it, this is, you know, not many people get to do this. Let's enjoy it while we can. Precisely. And on that note, um, you know, you, you've cautioned us over the years, uh, uh, never, ever to spoil our dogs, but, um, <laughs> But every time you tell us that, it rings hollow because you are in the act of spoiling your dog when you do it. Yeah, I thought, I came up with that. You know, I just got lucky with that. Scott, I came up with that idea. and I thought, well, everybody wants to spoil their bird dogs. Let's take a little time and poke some fun at that concept of not spoiling your bird dogs. And gosh, we had, we probably had more responses to those than anything else in our shows. And people would send me pictures of them spoiling their dog. I mean, it was just a great, it was a great thing to do. I just love to hang out that. And you know, every dog appreciated that one probably more than the humans who watched it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but you know, they're, they're like your, like your guys, they're members of the family. Yes. Although we don't spoil our kids that much, do we? <laughs> I never did. No, uh, they're out in the back with an electric collar and a bowl of water in their pen. Yeah. Uh, don't yeah, kids exactly. kids don't uh, i'm not serious really i'm not don't worry your parents <laughs> probably won't do that uh, and, they probably won't probably yeah. being the opposite term there yeah there are times when i'm sure every parent wishes they could turn the dial up and hit that red button yeah. oh. but but it ain't okay i had my, i had my son glenn on the show when he was when he was grown up and <laughs> we didn't put this in the show but i really wanted to glenn was having a really bad day 
we were we were hunting in the prairie and we were looking for sharp tails. And he, honestly, Scott, he couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. And he was a pretty good shot. <laughs> Finally, he forgot he was on camera. And he said to me, it's just not my day. And I wanted so bad I wanted to put that in the show because I thought that was just hysterical. Glenn didn't find it all that funny. No. So we kept that out. Oh, my gosh. You know, you, you, you get a chance to do this, just enjoy it. Yeah, you know, um, so, I know you've done the same thing as I have. We put we put scenes in our shows where I've missed birds. Oh, all, you know, you know the 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 if I get a compliment about my show at all, Des, it is I love it because you shoot worse than I do. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and what? I'm like okay with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, I was always relegated to the back of the band and the back of the bus on the band bus. And, you know, so I'm used to that stuff. So it's okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I, my director, I I love him for this. When we first started these shows, I thought, okay, I got to hit everything. I mean, that's, I mean, I got to hit everything. And he, he took me aside early in our, our relationship together and said, look, this is bird hunting. And sometimes it's not going to work out the way you want, and we'll just we'll use that and we'll play with it. And that's how we did all of them. Fortunately, my mother was a skeet shooting champion and as a young woman and taught me how to shoot, so I didn't miss often. But, oh, my gosh, you know, you just want to shout when you miss a bird like that. Well, you have now that it's on the record, you have no excuses anymore. With, with genetics like that, you better hit I know, everything. Right? I know she was an amazing, and honestly, she was a tiny person. She was five, maybe five two, and when it when she was shooting, she probably weighed a hundred and five pounds. And she shot, listen, she shot a twelve gauge pump with a compensator on the end of it. My shoulder you know, hurts. It, it, it had it had to weigh one hundred and forty two pounds, and she. <laughs> Yeah, she'd take that thing out there and bust those clay targets and and won a, a number of skeet tournaments and and then later even though she was right-handed she was able to teach me how to shoot as a lefty and uh, we had her on a show uh, when she was a senior we had her on one of our shows and uh, she just loved that and she, she was on a Hank show and she loved Hank and she boy a rooster got up and she didn't hesitate man she threw that gun up there and popped that bird and, and the first thing she did was she went yeah like that on camera so we put it in the show <laughs> oh heck yeah you know oh yeah mother knows yeah. best yeah oh, i love it she was quite a gal well uh, this has been quite an interview i am so grateful to you know we, we never get to talk at length so this has been fun i know we'll do it in person yeah, the have, next time uh but in the meanwhile if you folks want some of the dvds they're out there um hwhproductions.com get all the details oh, there and um and uh, leave a note uh on uh Dez's Facebook page and of course uh, on ours as well uh Upland Nation is mine Des yours is Des Young isn't it Right yeah okay Des right. Young yep they can find me on there right. and uh, just as an aside it's really nice to talk to you again Scott Thank you yeah, we will we will get back together. I'm I'm getting a, a good vibe about something that we've both done before that maybe we might do again. I'll keep you posted on that. In the meanwhile, um 
This is the Upland Nation. I'm Scott Linden. That's Des Young. Des, I'm going to turn you loose to um, uh, get some physical therapy for your vocal cords now, <laughs> now that I've abused them for almost an hour. So thank you again. It was great, great talking with you. Stick around, everybody. We got a couple more things, including that prize. But Des, thank you and goodbye. I call this segment, This Land is Your Land, and it is all about places you can go that you don't have to buy into that you can just walk on in most cases and uh, access free of charge one of my favorites is out here in the high lonesome of the great basin western united states just around the town of winnemucca nevada i spend a lot of time out there and the main reason is the town and that whole region is virtually all public ground administered by the bureau of land management now some people would suggest it's the bureau of land mismanagement but there's not a whole lot you can do to screw up sagebrush and juniper rocks and sand and a bump on the landscape every once in a while the joy of that is chuckers and quail love that kind of country all around Winnemucca, you're surrounded by those yellow patches on the map that mean public ground that you can get to at no charge. Winnemucca is a great little town in and of itself. Of course, the home to the Nevada Chucker Foundation and their annual banquet. Good enough reason to attend. A Basque heritage and even a Basque restaurant, the Martin Hotel. If you like family-style meals and a little bit different kind of cuisine, check it out. All the lodges, restaurants, and even a casino or two, if that's the kind of thing you're interested in, it's all in Winnemucca, plus that easy access to hundreds of thousands of acres of public land. Now, there's no app for that, but if you get the BLM map of the area, it's pretty obvious. The yellow and brown spots are the spots you can access real easily. And then the rest of it, probably not. Look for cheat grass and rim rock and start climbing uphill outside of Winnemucca, Nevada, and you might run into chuckers. Stay in the bottoms. Mainly you'll find valley quail out there. You know, I'm going to start putting this stuff up on the uplandnation.com webpage. So if you're interested in more detail, check it out, uplandnation.com. Uplandnation.com. And the Upland Nation podcast is brought to you in part by Dr. Tim's Natural Performance Dog Food. It's what I feed to Flick. He's buff. He's quick. He's got the stamina for four days in the field, and it's all because of what he gets fed. Okay, his trainer has a tiny bit to do with it, but barely anything. Dr. Tim Hunt, on the other hand, has formulated a number of dog foods, depending on what your dog's needs are, Learn more at drtims.com. Find out where his ingredients come from and why he puts them in each formulation. D-R-T-I-M-S, 30% off. Just use the promotional code UPLANDNATION. And that'll do it for the Upland Nation podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this reprise broadcast of one of my favorite interviewees and a good friend, Des Young. If you're looking for more information on where to hunt, don't forget to visit my website, findbirdhuntingspots.com. I'm Scott Linden. Thanks for listening. See you in the field.